people hear me say all the time is there is no fast track to experience. You know, you have to put the time in, you have to keep doing it, you have to go through it because you learn every single time. When I'm working on my books and I've just, just published my seventh book is that every time we do a recipe, we do it at least three times before it even gets prepared for the book to ensure that we've done it, improved it and then perfected it. So it's, you know, trial, improve, perfect. Welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanira Madani, and I believe that you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and less than 25% of women are breaking the C-suite glass ceiling. And our team at CEO School is on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who are breaking the statistics, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they defied the odds so that you can do it too. If you are an ambitious woman who wants to create a life of impact through financial freedom, self-growth, and find confidence in your voice, grab a seat because class is officially in session. This episode is sponsored by The Club, a quarterly box and digital monthly community to help you level up in leadership and life. Learn more today at join.theceoschool.co slash the club. Hi, everyone. Welcome to CEO School. This is your host, Sanira Madani. And boy, do I have a sweet treat for you today. I have the honor of interviewing Mitch Turner, who is an award-winning chef in the food industry, particularly a baker and so much more. But she is actually known as the Michelangelo of cakes and has created cakes for the queen, her majesty, the queen herself, Madonna, Ozzy Osbourne, Gordon Ramsay, David Beckham, Pierce Brosnan, you name it. Not only is she an incredible cake designer and cake maker, she's a food scientist and has just received prestigious awards across the board for her contributions to the industry. And she runs a very successful business alongside. She has balanced it all while growing her career and being a mom. And we're so excited to welcome her to today's show at CEO School. Mitch, welcome to the show. No, oh, thank you so much for having me. Wow, what a what an introduction. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, there was so much more that I could have rattled off. I mean, we are so excited to have you today. And I wish we could do this in person, right? Zoom mm. is not going to allow me to taste one of your incredible cakes, but I would love to just kick us off by, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your journey on, on cake making. I don't even know what to call it. What do you call it? Uh, yeah, cake making. That's exactly, you know, exactly what it is. And and thank you. Well, I think like lots of people, you know, I started to bake when I was young. Um, and I think lots of people, you know, enjoy baking. It brings a huge amount of joy to the person who's baking, to those who you're baking for, whether you're baking with your mom, your grandparent, you know, your grandmom, or uh, the, the indulgent and the enjoyment that you get from creating something that is essentially for pleasure. You know, whilst, you know, there are times when it can be our sole source of food on a day, um, if we're really stretched, you know, when we're working on cake, essentially cake is making something really pleasurable for people. Um, and as a result of which you're pouring love into it. So it brings a huge amount of joy to the people who, are, you know, who, who you're baking for. So I started baking when I was when I was quite young. Um, I used to, you know, my mum used to bake for high days and holidays. Um, and it was a real treat that if somebody was coming for Sunday lunch of the family, the relations, there would be these amazing bakes that would fill the kitchen with the uh, you know, wonderful aroma. So there was a wonderful synergy of, of nostalgia with baking. Um, and as I sort of started to bake and started to enjoy time in the kitchen, 
um, I always used to have this role play of pretending to be somebody who was teaching my imaginary audience, you know, how I was baking and what I was baking and would sort of give instruction. And, you know, I think I've probably been quite bossy from quite a young, <laughs> quite a young age. Um, but as I sort of went through my school years, I, I got a real um, enjoyment for the science and the science of food. So I was studying all the sciences at school along with, along with food technology and home economics and how to cooking. And so, so I understood, you know, what was happening with the food and how to get the best out of it and understanding the science of it. Um, and it was whilst I was studying for my A-levels, which were the, the qualifications I was taking before I went on to university, my A-level lecturer asked me if I would decorate her wedding cake. And that was the first foray actually into something as specialized as this. You know, she had encouraged me to enter a cookery competition when I was just 15, which I did and I won. Um, and I think it's because, you know, I put so much passion into it and wanted to deliver a part of my personality and creativity, which I think really shone through. And I think I endeavor to do that with everything that I do within my world. So it's about bringing that creativity and that passion into, into what I make and bake. Um, so I made, I made her wedding cake and uh, it was, it was I was 17. Ask. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a big ask. Um, but they, my school was really supportive and they found, or I found a four day course to go and learn the basics on how to give me the skills, the tools, the confidence um, that I would know how to do it. And I think that's one of my top tips has always been to be prepared to do your research, you know, so that you, you have explored um, part of the journey or whatever you're about to embark on, do your research and be prepared. So I did my, my four day course and I remember rocking up on day one and the tutor sort of looking at me as I was, you know, the youngest by far as if to say, okay, yeah, mm -hmm. we see your type all the time, you know, coming in here, taking on these commissions, thinking you're going to, you know, and not know the first thing to do, but it was, you know, I just kept my head down. I worked hard. I listened. And I think that's important for the people. You know, the key skills here is again, if you're working with people who are professionals in their field, really listen and learn from the people who've got the experience. You know, they've made all the pitfalls and all the mistakes, so learn from them. Um, and I still do that today from key mentors in the industry. It's finding those, you know, they've done all the pitfalls and, and lessons I, I give to my children. I say, look, I've made all these mistakes, learn from my experience, this is how I can help you. So I learned from him and I, I you know, he, he came out saying, do you know what? I actually think you've got some talent. And uh, I went on to decorate her wedding cake and, you know, from there really found a, a passion for it. So after I graduated from university, I started working, uh, doing cakes in my spare time. And I, I contacted um, the, the sort of the, all of the London hotels. I actually made one cake, my very, you know, one, I made it, I made a cake. I took a photograph of it. And I sent a letter to every single five-star London hotel with this just one photo. You know, I didn't have a portfolio. I didn't have a website. I don't think websites were even invented at the time I started this. Um, I, I didn't, I, I had one photo and I wrote a letter and I thought to myself, you know, if I were the banqueting manager at this hotel, what would I want to hear? What would make me want to pick the phone up and talk to this person about offering the service? And I think that that's, you know, another one of my top tips. It's all about being, being professional. Um, you know, we've talked about being prepared, but being professional and having a purpose, being polite. And I wrote this letter in a way that I said, you know, congratulations on everything you do stroked their ego, told them how brilliant they were, which every buyer, you know, every bank manager wants to hear and said, this is what I can do. 
I'd love to bring you some cake. It's amazing how many doors will open when you say to people, can I bring you some cake? Uh, and, it, and it was fantastic because I had three hotels instantly call me and say, come in and see us. Um, and at the time I found a niche in the market at in, in the London hotels whereby they had their pastry chefs who would work in-house doing all their afternoon teas um, and, and restaurant service. But cake decoration is very specialized and it takes a lot of time. You know, it's very time labor, labor, labor intensive. And so I was able to go in and say, as an extension of your five-star mantra, as an extension of what you do, this is how I could be of service. You know, I'm presentable, I'm professional, I am punctual. I can offer a service to your clients as your preferred supplier that guarantees you I will turn up always on time with a great cake. You'll never be disappointed. Your clients will never be disappointed. So it's a service. Um, and I, I very quickly was working for these three hotels on all sorts of you know corporate events and weddings and celebrations and went literally turned, turned overnight from doing very little to, you know, suddenly beginning to do quite a few different weddings and celebrations to, until, and then that, that business grew through very much through word of mouth. We still, you know, we've, we've never paid for any um, advertising, but the word of mouth certainly started to grow through the event planners, through the florists, through the, um, the, the, the actual banqueting teams, because the networking in and around London for the events is, is great. And there are so many different opportunities and venues that you can make cakes at for in London. So we very quickly built up a reputation for being the go-to for offering the best service. What was the name of the, the company or was it just Mitch's, was it your name? Well, it's interesting because I, um, as I was building this cakes up in, in my spare time and I was sort of writing these letters, I, ha I actually was also, I, I, I wrote to the hotels and I wrote to the four, the four Harrods, Harvey Nichols, Fortnum's, and Selfridges. And Harvey Nichols asked me if I would come in and be a supplier to them. So I was instantly working at, with Harvey Nichols. You know, absolutely fabulous, darling. Um, and they actually asked me if I would come in and work for them full-time as the buyer in their um, bakery and patisserie department. So in addition to sort of setting up the cakes, I was also working then full-time as a buyer for Harvey Nichols, which I did for three years. So I was sort of juggling building up the business as I had a full-time salary in order that I could learn about the business, which I did at Harvey Nichols. You know, I learned how to run my own department. I learned about working with different suppliers. I was able to understand the difference between, you know, looking at sort of wastage, looking at profit margins, um, understanding what brand values were all about, how important it was to, to know your brand values from quite an early stage. So it was actually on the day of the eclipse in 1999, 13th of August, that I made the decision that I was going to leave Harvey Nichols and officially set up Little Venice Cake Company. And it was at that point that the company name was formed. I it didn't have a name before that. People would just phone Mitch Clark, because I was then before I was Mitch Turner, um, and you know would speak to you. Know, She's the person you need to speak to. You don't need anyone else. Just call her. Here's her number. Or they would call me and say, can you call my clients for me? So it was a very personal and relaxed service um but it got to the point where and i think like for lots of people it gets to the point where in order for in order for me to really be able to give the service i wanted to that the clients deserved and i and to do everything justice something had to give 
and it's a big it's a big decision i know that you know for lots of your listeners if you're in that you know you're in that on that on that sort of which side do i go you know here i am in a full-time job i've got my salary it's comfortable right i can do it it's easy it, it, the salary's coming in, you know, I got 30% off all my cosmetics, I got a dress allowance, you know, that's a lot to give up. And on the other side, if I take the jump, you know, I've got a total whole unknown, but boy, is it going to be a journey. Um, and that's the decision I made at that time was, okay, the day of the eclipse, the lights have gone out, the light bulb moment has happened, here I am, let's go. And I can honestly say from that moment in time, I have never once watched the clock. You know, it's never sort of ticked by. I kind of rush, you know, it's a it's a real sort of dilemma to try and pack in everything I need to and want to on a daily, on a daily basis. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, it took four years, I suppose, of building up to that, you know, sort of jumping off the springboard moment. Um, but I felt that I had enough tools that I kind of knew what I was doing and still had an amazing passion for wanting to sort of develop the business. And they were asking for it. You know, people were asking me for more of this. So that was it. Little Venice Cake Company was born in, uh, in 1999. So here we are now, sort of 20, 20 years later. And, you know, it was absolutely the right decision because within the first year of setting up the company, I'd received, yeah, the, the commission or the call to, you know, make, make Madonna's wedding cake, which is one of the very first high-profile weddings that we had and that came about because I had worked with the wedding planner um the, the wedding planner who was involved for Madonna's Madonna's wedding um to Guy Ritchie I'd worked with him on one previous occasion that's all but the way and it was at one of the, the London hotels where they have the most sprung dance floor in London so there's chains that go underneath the dance floor and I came in and the the bride and groom thought they wanted the wedding cake set up on a table, on a cake stand, this sort of eight tier high cake with pillars, with flowers and everything in the middle of this sprung dance floor. And they were intending to dance around the cake between the tier, between the courses being served at the meal. And I had to explain to the banking team why this would not be a good idea if they still wanted the cake standing by the time they came to cut it. So I, I was sort of carefully steered them and said, look, if we present it or position it here, in front of this beautiful mirror and I polished the stand and I ironed the tablecloth and, you know, just how I sort of handled and managed to ensure that when I left, you know, the cake looked amazing. It was center stage as it should be. You know, the first official role of, of cutting of, of any new bride is to cut the wedding cake. Um, and I, I, I think the way that I handled it when uh, I had a call from him and he said, Mitch, I've got a, a job for you. I can't tell you who it's for, but trust me, you will want to do it. Uh, and it very quickly, you know, by the time you know you're on a plane flying to Scotland and you've got this, that and the other on board, you know that that's what you're off to do. And the only time I've ever had a police escort to officially get a cake to a venue. That's amazing. Oh my God. This has been such an incredible intro, by the way. I feel like I wish all my guests were like this. You have given us lessons along every step of the way. And that's incredible. I mean, that's just one of the many stories that you have, which is doing Madonna's wedding cake. And we're so honored to have you as our guest today. You talked about some things that really hit home for me and just being a good business owner, but also just being a good person. And I think some of the strengths that we have as women, if we tap into those things and what you did, even before you had marketing or a website, it was seemed so basic, but even in business today or in leadership today, all of the things that you said are so applicable. Something that you talked about was writing the letter, right? So just grassroots, 
being authentic, writing a letter and putting a picture, the best picture, it's just one, right? It's just the one thing that you have, but it's something tangible for someone to feel a feeling, right? That's what it was. It was getting that Mm -hmm. note, opening it up and getting that feeling. And the way that you said that you addressed the letter was speaking to your customer of not about you. It's never about you. And I see that mistake take place with so many business owners on wanting to talk about themselves and their services and their business. And it's not what's in it for the client. And that is how we should be phrasing. And we call that your, um, even knowing your customer and how to understand them, how to speak to them as your ideal customer avatar. And so every business needs to understand who their end buyer is or who the decision maker is, right? And that's, that's the most important is who is actually the decision maker. The decision maker for you isn't the owner of the hotel. It's the, the hotel manager of the catering or the, the event manager. And that's the decision maker. So you speaking to him or her in a way that they want to be heard and felt um, accepted and loved and excited is what got you in through the door. Not some fancy campaign or some fancy tastings or um, a referral. And then once you kind of got into um, in the door, delivering a good product, delivering a good service, showing up on time, being presentable, being professional. These are not things that are um, are difficult. These are just things that we should all show up as as humans to do. And then if you do it right. People actually care about that and want to continue to do business with you again. So I absolutely love that. I wanted to kind of circle back on that. Oh, that's really kind. Thank you. And I think that, you know, for the 20 years that we've been running the business, that sense of reliability, that, that people know they that we are completely solid, 100% reliable, you know, that if we say we are going to be there with that at that time and everything will be organized and taken care of, that is absolutely what they know they're going to get, you know, and we have, for every single every single occasion that we've worked on, you know, we never have the luxury of saying, we'll do it tomorrow, we'll get it there later, we'll finish. Because every single event that we work on is time sensitive, you know, whether it's a, a wedding, a corporate, an event, it's, it's always completely time sensitive. So that is our critical path is from that moment back. And we are, you know, we, we plan to the nth degree to ensure that, you know, if there's a, if there's gay pride on in London and all the roads are closed, we will ensure that that cake is where it needs to be before all the roads are closed, before people are marching down the streets. You know, we will ensure that everything is thought about before it happens, the eventuality. How do you deal with that kind of pressure, right? So, I mean, your job is such a, it's so, um, it, it's, it brings you joy. It brings other people joy. So yeah. There's all this fun to it, right? And it may seem from an outside lens, I'm like, oh my God, you know, you bake cakes and this is so much fun and it's so amazing. There's a business to this, right? This is this. Yeah. Is why we brought you on the show. There is a business to this. There's a very high stress element into delivering something like this that is so important for your customer, right? It's a very important mm-hmm. experience and a huge component of everything that of that celebration or that event. It's so instrumental. So all of that pressure, how do you handle all of that pressure and you're doing this simultaneously for multiple clients yeah. at a time. Like, how do you handle this? Yeah. Well, you know, you're right. You know, the busiest day we ever had, we had 21 different weddings and events going out in a short period of time. We had four teams, you know, uh, working in rotation to ensure that every every cake got to its its venue. I think the, the only hiccup we had was one of the vans parked, uh, where it parked and paid for parking while we trans, you know, transferred but the parking was just the wrong side of the residence parking. So we actually got clamped while we were actually in moving the cake. 
set in the cake up and we still had another one to take out to Highclere Castle, which is where they filmed Downton Abbey. And we actually had to phone. And normally when you phone to have your vans or your cars unclamped, it can take anything up to four hours to have them removed. We phoned and I very politely spoke to the, you know, to the team and I said, hello, you know, I understand we've, you know, it's been parked. We, we thought we were in the right place. We paid for parking, but we're on the wrong side of the line for the residents. However, this is what we have on board. This is where we need to be. I don't want to have to be the one who phones the bride to tell her why her cake is not there. Can you please help? And, you know, just laid it on the line, explained they had somebody to us within 15 minutes and we were, you know, released and we were on our way and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. So, but that's a lesson learned. And I think that everything that we've done along the way, you know, the tens of thousands of cakes that we've done, we have learned from every single one to make us that little bit better for the next one that we do. And I think that is a top tip is that you never stop learning. And every time you do something, no matter how many times you've done it before, always aim to make it that little bit better, that little bit more improved so that you are always moving in the right direction and you keep moving forward. I love that. You know, it's something that I, I, I really love to talk about is the first 100 customer experience. And I really believe in, and some people, you know, very much disagree with, you know, with me, especially on I'm in tech and automation and everything else is actually me physically doing the first 100 experience for whatever it is that I'm doing um, for my customers. And I did that with all my companies and just wanting to ensure that the first 100 I personally do, I'm involved in every step of the process because there's so many little tiny, tiny little learnings that then can be scaled. And it's not in 10 may seem enough to, to many. And, and, and it depends on different industry types, right? Of like what that number actually looks like. But doing the first big chunk, the first, the first bit that actually really matters and learning and documenting and saying, okay, this is where, and taking those postmortem notes to say, this is what we could have delivered better. This was this experience or good and bad, positive and future feed forward uh, to learn every time that by the time that that hundred customer is done and taken care of, then I can say, okay, here's the official process. And I know there's no yeah. hiccup in this process. No, you're absolutely right. You know, and that's something like, you know, people hear me say all the time is there is no fast track to experience. You know, you have to put the time in, you have to keep doing it. You have to go through it because you learn every single time, you know, and quite often it's like when, when I'm working on my books and I've just, just published my, my seventh book is that every time we do a recipe, we do it at least three times before it even gets prepared for the book to ensure that we've done it, improved it, and then perfected it. So it's, you know, trial, improve, perfect with what we're, we're doing on here. So a lot of the time, you know, we don't, for the books, we always have that time to work like that. When we're working on certain commissions, you know, we have to call upon our, our experience, but it's very much about thinking things through beforehand. And I think that's where the science part of me comes in and the experience, it's being able to put an awful lot of pre-planning thought into something before I go into the execution and trying to think around every parameter or what certain parameters can be there that could go wrong or how could I improve that or what could I do to make that better? So I think that comes in the, the art of preparation. And I think that's another one of my top tips is that, you know, okay, you don't let progress get in the way of perfection, but at the same time, if you plan, prepare and think and take a breath before you go into something and just ask yourself, if I were doing, is that the right, could I do, should I, what else could I, and explore it. And I find that actually going for a run or going for a walk and thinking about things whilst I'm doing that, when I come back and then starting it makes a huge difference. So it's just taking that time to consider before you launch into something is always key. I love that. It's such great advice for, for everything. It's just to 
take a little bit of patience, even if it's five minutes to prepare. And uh, there's so many ways to do that. I mean, even as an executive today, I mean, something that I practice every single morning is just journaling. I get to my desk. It's not something I do right away. I mean, everyone does it, has their own morning routines. For me, just as soon as I sit down on my desk, I just kind of like dump everything that like just ideas, things that are flowing. This is what I got to do. This is my to-do list. Here's how I'm feeling. Just like getting pen to paper. And it literally would make no sense to anybody picking this up and reading it but it's just a process for me. It's just a process to like get my mind ready to prepare myself to say, Hey, I've got these big events or here's what I want to move the needle on today. Or here's how I'm feeling and just recognizing that. So I think whatever preparation looks like that five minutes is so key to ensuring just a better outcome and a better product. It's not like you can't do it without it. It's just going to be, give you more confidence in doing it. And then also more efficient because you've thought things through. Definitely. And the main thing is that you don't forget to do anything. You know, if you are trying to keep a list, this is a top tip here. Never try and keep a list in your head. Always write it down because then you don't have to try and remember it. It's written down and it's in front of you. And there is nothing more satisfying than putting a line through it as you tick things off your list. So I am a firm believer on a daily list, weekly list, you know, constant list writing, but have that list. So you don't have to spend time thinking about what you've got to try and remember to do get it written down and then just get it done. And that is another of my top tips is the honest of non-procrastination. Non-procrastination. <laughs> I honestly think, okay, so I want to yeah. go into your other experiences, but I want to book on Mitch's top okay. tips because <laughs> are, are, are incredible oh. top tips. Mitch, kind of walk us through a little bit about your whole business model now. I mean, you do so yeah. many things. I mean, you are a, you do celebrity appearances, yeah. you do cakes for every major event that takes place um, in London and elsewhere. And so talk us through, you do master classes. Tell us a little bit about your business. Sure. Yeah. Well, and that's true because for over the last 20 years, the business certainly has diversified and it's come because of the experience that I've gained throughout what I've done, you know, as a, as a, having worked as a buyer. So I understand about business. I understand about retail, having worked with all the different wedding planners and events and hotels. I understand hospitality having worked within as a, as a teacher, I understand how to get the best out of people and for people to get the best out of themselves. You know, everybody comes in at different levels. And when I'm teaching, you know, it's never to come in and say, this is my way, this is how it's done. And you are all going to be brilliant bakers. It's understanding where people are on their journey with being bakers. And if you can bring everybody on a little bit in their journey, they go home feeling satisfied. They go home feeling as though they've actually had a great achievement, they've achieved something, then they've had a success, then they'll want to continue baking. And for me, that's the joy is bringing people on their journey that keeps them passionate. So yeah, the business has has, um, evolved. And I find that now I spend less time making cakes for events and clients and people. I'm much more working higher up the chain in terms of offering my services through through consultancy through consultancy and through um, delivering solutions to both the retail hospitality and food service industry. So right now I'm working on a number of projects. I work as an ambassador for the Scottish Bakers Association, um, and in addition to hosting and um, their award ser- their award ceremony and their annual conference, I actually work with one of the bakeries in Scotland that's on a third generation you know, 50 million um, sterling turnover in coming in and offering just some really good proper NPD, new product development uh, work, some some um, um, housekeeping, bring discipline to the meetings and coming in with some of my 
understanding of the industry of uh, working in bakery and how to deliver that on a global on a global large scale to help them become better bakers and have better success so it's under the radar my name's not anywhere but i know that i can be useful and i can be helpful and for me that's really important is how i can use my skills to help others better themselves and for them to have successes so that's certainly one area that i i enjoy working on and it means that i can use my soft skills of liaising between the factory the bakery and some of the key buyers at retailers um, of you know the multiples within the UK to, to because I understand how both work and I can help bridge that gap. So it's about the art of communicating and those soft skills to help deliver a 360 degree view in consultancy for everybody to achieve. So that's certainly one area that I'm doing and I'm looking to grow and, and develop more as, as, as it comes on. I work with hotels both in the UK and overseas. So I do consultancy work um, either in their sort of in their within their, their banqueting hospitality. So I actually come in now and work with pastry chefs on curating a whole collection of what could be either an afternoon tea or um, a collection of cakes or a set, you know, parts of their offerings within the hotel. And again, it's not taking anything away from the pastry chefs are there, but it's coming in and curating rather than necessarily creating. It's about evolving rather than revolution, but really focusing on their key brilliant skills to make them look even better, to bring the very best out of what they have already. So it's cherry picking what they have from, the, from their table and their stable. So that I'm doing a lot of. But my main focus right now is taking Little Venice Cake Company into its very first overseas operation as we deliver a whole solution of bringing Little Venice Cake Company with its cake atelier into um, an amazing new property that's opening in Dubai at Atlantis the Royal um, later this year. Um, and that will bring the very first opportunity of actually seeing a, a working atelier where we have the craftspeople working, my, my you know, pastry chefs working on the cakes in the hotel in a glass-fronted kitchen. So it's, it's working with interior designers. It's curating a whole collection of beautiful fine bespoke china, some silverware that's working with other royal warrant holders to deliver a Little Venice Cake Company extension of the brand through china, through kits, through bakeware, through silverware, through blended teas, so that we're delivering a greater um, brand of Little Venice Cake Company. So the creativity is constantly flowing. And whether I'm helping others or delivering solutions, it's so nice that I'm able to use the 30 years experience I have as a buyer a retailer, an entrepreneur, an author, a teacher, to be able to bring those elements together to feel um, that I'm constantly moving forward and hopefully inspiring others to, you know, to achieve and fulfill their dreams. I love it. You've definitely inspired me to get into the kitchen. I am not a baker. I am a savory cook, I guess you could call it. And uh, I am one that has a really hard time following a recipe and measuring ingredients and I have failed miserably on the baking side because I must follow their recipe, or at least I don't know it well enough from a, a measurements perspective, but you've definitely inspired me to get into the kitchen and to actually bring this art form back to my family. I do think, I don't know, what are your thoughts on the generation of, I mean, in America today, I mean, we don't have tea time and it's, I see that London still has that culture and there is an appreciation for the art of, of these pastries and of cakes and I absolutely love that. And I, I want to have that for my kids. What are your thoughts on the cake culture and where it's going across the world as people are becoming more health conscious or it's only for special occasions? What are your thoughts there on the future of baking and of cake culture? 
Oh, well, I think it, and you're absolutely right. I mean, and we've certainly seen a huge um, development of, of baking and bakers within the UK since the, the launch of Bake Off and the TV shows that sort of follow and, and take people on the baking journeys, you know, and it's all about that, the jeopardy and you see the bakers come, come through. Um, baking and cakes certainly is, you know, afternoon tea and the art of afternoon tea in the UK is huge. Uh, you know, it's that real sort of bridges the gap between lunch and supper it's the the celebration. Every hotel, every hotel will offer an afternoon tea. They are the jewel in the crown. You know, they were introduced by the Duchess of Bedford in the 1840s. Um, and it's a real, that, that, you know, people dress up for it. You, you put your long dresses on, not, not now, but they did. You know, society ladies would wear long dresses, their gloves, they'd be seated and they would have, you know, the finger sandwiches, the scones, the preserves, the clotted cream and these fine pastries. And so even today, the art of the celebration of afternoon tea is certainly treasured within the UK. People will take this as, you know, a special celebration and occasion. Um, and it's a really something to, to be to be thought of and cared for as something very special. And I think that that's going to continue because it's that real sense of experience, of bringing families together, of celebrating. Um, and it's not all about the massive food of, you know, that's all, all about the sugar and the fat and, and, and everything else. It's more about the art of the celebration and the occasion. And I think that that's certainly... And it's certainly something that I've always talked about because, you know, as a food scientist, as someone who understands about the nutritional um, content of food and, and the science behind food, you know, my, one of my books was all about how to have your cake and eat it. And it was about how you show, showing people how you can work with different ingredients in your bakes to help deliver added nutrition to those bakes. So it's not so much about what you leave out, like the sugar and the fat, but it's about the additional items that you put in, you know, the dried fruits, the nuts, the seeds, how you can be clever by if you substitute a cream cheese frosting for a buttercream, you're already reducing your fat content by 50% because, you know, full fat cream cheese is around 30% fat. Butter is 80% fat, you know, and it's understanding these different, um, the different nutritional content of the foods you're working with can help when you, when you start to bake. Um, but quite often, you know, you have, you have, bakes, and I found this, you know, along the way is they can be really high fat, high sugar, and it's all sweet and, and there's no other flavor comes through. But you find that if you pull back on some of the sugar and the fat, you actually put in ingredients that have flavor, that have integrity, you know, sort of the dark chocolates and you roast the nuts before you put them into bakes, or you work with fresh zested um, citrus fruits, or you make your own citrus curd um, or your own fresh berries when they're in season and you reduce them in a little orange juice and set them first, so they become more intense in flavor. You find that you can add an awful lot to your bakes that helps them become a way of how you can have your cake and eat it. As well as, but, but it also means that, that people have a healthy relationship with cakes and baking then, because they understand that this is not, you know, this is part of an overall diet and it's part of an overall enjoyment. And it's about understanding and appreciation of the flavors. I couldn't agree with you more. And I do believe in, I love tradition. And I do believe that there is that there are certain things are, there should be indulgent and they should be enjoyed. And, and we can't take too much like, out of something that's so good that we don't need to have a lot of it. But I do believe in the importance of, of having some indulgence in our life. So I couldn't agree with that more. I have a fun question for you, Mish. What was the favorite, your most favorite cake that you've worked on? We got to hear about oh, Madonna's gosh. history, but what was, what was, okay. 
You see, that's a really tough question because that's okay. like asking me to choose. That's like asking me to choose between my children. And you know okay. that you can't, you can't, okay, you just fine. can't do that. But I will, t- I will, I will tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you. Okay. So there's probably a couple, I mean, certainly working on, um, working on the wedding cake for, for Pierce Brosnan and Keely Shea Smith when they were married. I was introduced to Pierce through the, our, our mutual friend, a florist, Rob Van Helden, who is the most gorgeous florist in the UK, in London. Beautiful, beautiful flowers and just so lovely to work with. And he always smells so nice. He wears Joe Malone and he's just adorable. Lovely, lovely, lovely chap. I flew back in off a night flight from South Africa, had to go and do a cake. And he was at Claridge's at the hotel first thing in the morning. And he just brightened up my day because he smelt lovely, looked lovely. And we were working on this, this early morning event together. But he introduced me to Pierce Brosnan when he was getting married. And I remember working on Pierce's cake. We sent samples over to Malibu. We, you know, tasting samples that, that were approved. And it was a Saturday morning. And this is, you know, another, another of my top tips. Saturday morning, and I'd sort of busted my bits all week, was absolutely exhausted, still had a day to get, you know, whatever. And the phone went. And the answer phone will kick in, but the phone went. And I thought, you know, it's one of those, do I just let the answer phone take it? Or do I take the call? And it's like, you know, you're never off duty when you're running your own business. You're never off duty. Mm-hmm. And I remember answering the phone and I said, you know, morning, little Venice Cake Company. And he said, Mitch Turner speaking. And he said, hi, Mitch, it's Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> that doesn't happen every day of the week. No, it <laughs> you didn't answer the phone if you didn't answer the phone. And it's so I did. true. I, I, you know, there's so many opportunities that are missed if we just don't pick them up, like just mm-hmm. picking up that phone takes you to that next opportunity. What a lovely story. And mm-hmm. who gets to have those relationships? I mean, it's people who actually genuinely care for their clients and show up passionate and show up with that kind of level of effort, level of preparation, level of seriousness of taking your job to say that this is one of the most important pieces of someone's life and I'm going to deliver my best work every single time. That level of dedication ladies, get you um, to this next level that Mitch is at. And we hope that we all can have that level of dedication to our craft and to our services and to into our products because your passion for what you do definitely shines and it's contagious. How can we support you, Mitch? Where do we, how can we taste your cakes? Like how do we, as normal <laughs> people, not Pierce Brosnan and Madonna. Or the queen. <laughs> How do we get access to one of your cakes? I mean, my husband and I, what now that COVID's back, we, we definitely do travel to Dubai every few years, but I will definitely hopefully check out your physical location that's coming there. I'm sure it's going to be grand um, and amazing. But it's going to be it's to going to be regal because it's at Atlantis. Yeah. And as part of the atelier, it's all about delivering the craftsmanship, the heritage the luxury, the quality, and, and the story. So, you know, within the atelier, there's going to be an awful lot of, it'll feel like you're being welcomed into what would be my own um, kitchen and, 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 and almost like a stately home in terms of, not that I live in a stately home, but in a, in within the atelier, you'll be able to have cakes on a daily basis that you can choose. There's going to be a personalized selection. And then obviously the completely bespoke where we'll work, you know, from tastings and consultations. And it's nice because when you come into the consultation room, which is extremely discreet and very exclusive for your consultation, on the wall, we're going to have our 
Royal Wall of Fame. So on there will be letters and invitations and the medal um, and the certificates that I've received from different members of the royal family and celebrities and international royalty, um, you know, throughout the 20 year, 30 year career. So they're all, they're going to be, you know, it's, it's like a little Royal Wall of Fame within the, within the atelier. Um, and there'll also be an extremely special cake on display, which is a cake that I've made for the Queen's birthday party to be held at the Dubai Embassy, which I, I contacted Buckingham Palace and asked for special permission to be able to recreate the Queen's royal you know, coat of arms on this cake that's all been done and hand-painted. Um, and whilst that's waiting to go for its party, it's going to be on display at the atelier as we open. So it's going to be fabulous. And you are, and everyone is extremely welcome. Well, I can't wait to be there. You know, this is business now, so I must get to Dubai as soon as possible when it's open. And this has just been such a pleasure, such an honor. It's so amazing to have such unique styles of businesses onto the show. And so I appreciate your journey and you sharing all of these amazing Mitch's top tips. I would, we definitely need a book out of this, Mitch. You laid some incredible, incredible tips for all of us. We just wish you the best and we can't wait to try your cakes in Dubai on our next run and also purchase your incredible cookbooks. Where can we find you online today? So I can link into the show notes for our audience. Oh, uh, okay. So if you go to littlevenicecakecompany.com, all the information will be on there and there'll be a link there to the books, which are available in the UK and in the US. Um, I publish through Quarto. So the books um, are available and they have already been Americanized for the US um, market so that, you know, it makes the recipes easy, fail safe, and you're going to have some fantastic fun with them. I love it. I can't wait to try it. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, and we'll, we'll see you guys on the next episode of CEO School. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and show. Our team at CEO School works extremely hard to bring you the best content, authentic conversations, and expert guests curated every single week to keep you leveling up in leadership, business, and in life. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating telling us what you enjoy the most. We will be sending CEO School swag for the next 100 reviews, so don't miss out. Write a review and send us a screenshot at podcast at theceoschool.co to claim your swag. Again, it's podcast at theceoschool.co to claim your swag. Thanks so much. We love having you here.